Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Delight, we are exploring the Christmas narrative and seeing how the coming of the Christ child brought joy and comfort to those in need. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. So, in preparation for this sermon message, I went on some interesting tangents. One such tangent was all of a sudden trying to figure out national animals. You know, like, the national animal for the USA is what? Bald eagle. Let's see. All right. There's a, there it is. Bald eagle. All right. So, yeah. National anthem for national bird. <laughs> anthem. National animal. There we go. For, let's see the next one. Australia. Red kangaroo, right? How about Canada? The beaver. Oh, isn't he cute? He looks Canadian, doesn't he? Eh? Eh? Anyway. China. Giant panda. Did you think that? So all of you saying yes, but I just showed you the picture. Now you're saying yes. So yeah, I can't verify that's true. Let's hold on. Let's see. How about uh, France? Don't show. Oh, too late. He's too quick on the draw for me. That's the Gallic rooster. Gallic rooster. Gaelic rooster. Rooster. Gaelic. Gallic. Whatever. Okay. How about New Zealand? The kiwi. What an ugly bird. I'm sorry, any New Zealand folk here, I, I'm sorry, but that's a strange-looking bird. But it's unique to New Zealand, and it's their, it's their national animal, right? Now, um, South Africa, that's uh, the country that's south of Zimbabwe, where I came from, the springbok. Very interesting animal, antelope-type thing. Called a springbok because when it gets all excited, it bounces like a spring. Hence, it's a springbok. And bok means buck, and that's the language they have in there. Uh, I looked up the national animal for England, and uh, the actual national, first national an- animal for England is the lion, for the lion, for Great Britain. And I'm like, there are no lions in Great Britain. You just stole it from Africa. So I figured I, I related more to the second national animal for Great Britain, which is the British bulldog. My youngest son, Andrew, has a love affair with British Bulldogs. I mean, he's like, so I, I did that in honor of him. Uh, those British Bulldogs like to snarl and sniff, and they're just fun, showing the pugnaciousness of Winston Churchill and all the great people of Great Britain. So let's take a different tangent on this whole idea of national a- animals. Uh, and this is purely Dee Dee's speculation and opinion. But... What would you think the national animal would be for the people of the Bible? And I'm talking about like the Israelites and then the people of the Bible, the, the, the people of God, the church. What would, be the, what would be their animal? What would be the representation that you found in Scripture of that? I'm not talking modern Israel. I'm talking uh, the Israel of the Bible, the chosen people, the people of God. What would it be? Sharks. Did someone say Sharks. Lion, lamb, lamb. All right, here it is. All right, here it is. You're right, you're right. According to a book I'm reading, National Research, I would say from beginning to end, we find the common denominator in terms of expressing what the people, who the people of God are. Someone said lamb, and that's exactly right, sheep. Sheep, you want to show me the sheep here? Yeah, specifically a wasi fat-tailed sheep. Uh, and I chose the Owasi fat-tailed sheep because that apparently is the sheep of the Bible times, and more than likely the sheep that was used uh, from the time in which we read the Bible. Hardy breed, 
uh, very uh, able to withstand arid conditions. They always kept the sheep in the wilderness. Uh, they did the agriculture in the lowland, the growing of crops, but the sheep were kept up in the wilderness areas, in, in the places where uh, were not suitable for growing crops in doing that. It's amazing. I, you read from the Bible right from the beginning all the way to Revelation, there's this common, common theme with sheep and shepherds. It's like God loves sheep and shepherds. His people are shepherd kind of people, sheep people. He describes them as sheep, and, and, and all of them were into uh, shepherding. Abraham, shepherd. Isaac, his son, shepherd. Jacob, his son, shepherd. Jacob becomes Israel. He has 12 boys, right? Those 12 boys become the nation of Israel when they are first moved into the land of Egypt. You remember the story with Joseph? Joseph's there, and there's a big drought, and people, the tribe, the, the families of the 12 sons, they come into Egypt, and they're given the land of Goshen, not Goshen, Ohio, Goshen in Egypt. And Goshen is given to them, why? Because the Egyptians couldn't stand shepherds. So they give them their own place to be because these people were into shepherding. God is the great shepherd of the people of God. His leaders, if you'd like, under shepherds to the great shepherd, were trained as shepherds. Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. When it's come time for him to, to be called to lead the people of Israel, his training is what? Forty years in the land of Midian doing what? Shepherding. Shepherding. And then when he's trained in a shepherd, he's called. You remember the vision of the burning bush? He's called and he leads the people out of Israel. And just have that image in your mind. You know, we're told that as people, as Israel were led out of Egypt to, to the land of Canaan, God led them by a cloud in the day and a fire cloud at night. And you see this image. Just, just think about that. The people are following what? They're following their shepherd. And Moses is up there in the front as the under-shepherd who's administrating and taking care of the sheep of God on his behalf. Powerful stuff, isn't it? Then who, who else is a shepherd? Well, we all know David, right? Story of David. It's time for God to select a king. Saul's not cutting it. So he anoints Samuel, the prophet, and he says, Hey, Samuel, go and see Jesse, who lives in the region of Bethlehem. Go and see Jesse. He's got some boys. I want you to anoint one of those boys as my king. So he goes, and he sees a couple of the boys, and they're like, Hey, these are fine-looking men. They're pretty strapping big guys, strong and, and, and capable on, on the outside. But God says, No, 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 no. These aren't them. And so Samuel goes to Jesse. Hey, Jesse, you got any more boys? Because God says, One of your sons. I need to anoint one of your sons. None of these are, are, are the one. And he says, Oh, my youngest, David. David, my youngest son, he's doing what? He's tending sheep. And David learns how to rely on God, learns how to, to, to really prepare for the kingship that he is given by being a shepherd. David's the one that writes the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. People of God are led by shepherds, priests and, and prophets and kings. Many times we're called shepherds of the people, the under-shepherds to the great shepherd God. Jesus came 
fulfillment of, of the promises. We'll talk about that in a minute. But how does he describe himself? He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I am the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Jesus establishes the church, and he says, the leaders of the church, how does he describe them? The Bible describes them as shepherds. The apostle Peter says, hey, fellow shepherds, I'm a shepherd, a leader in the church, you're a shepherd, talking about the elders of the church. Let's make sure we serve in a way that honors the chief shepherd. Let's serve the sheep that are given to us to care for in a manner that honors the chief shepherd so that when he comes to collect his flock to him, he will be pleased with our work. Shepherds, sheep, beginning to end, we have this, this idea, this concept. In fact, I would argue, in my research of late, I've kind of been on this shepherd kick in my studies and in my investigations. I would argue a shepherd, a good shepherd, is actually the model for what it means to be a mature believer. The characteristics of a good shepherd are the characteristics we would attribute to someone who's mature in the faith. A few weeks ago, I talked about being parents, right? Being parents, spiritual parents, looking to care for others. Well, uh, the shepherd would be a good summary of everything needed to be a spiritually mature parent in the Christian faith. The good shepherd follows the chief shepherd in doing what? Providing for those under his or her care. Feeds them, feeds them the Word of God, teaches them what it means to follow Christ as they follow the chief shepherd. Protects them. Jesus says the good shepherd is one who will lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the great example of that. And those of us who are called to be mature believers have to be willing to lay down our lives for those whom we serve, to love them in a manner that says, I will give you what you need, even if it means sacrificing myself so that you may be blessed. I will lay down myself in order to protect you from attack and harm. That's the good shepherd. The good shepherd is, is one who's willing to guide the sheep doesn't overlord. Time and time again in the Bible, it says to elders, shepherds of the church, don't try to control and, 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 and take advantage of the sheep. Don't over, be overbearing. Instead, serve the sheep. Serve them by, being provided, by providing guidance to them. What does the, the psalm say? He leads me by still waters. He takes me to green pastures. That's the good shepherd. In Jesus' time, they led sheep. The shepherds led the sheep, the flock of sheep. They didn't drive them. In Western culture, the way we do it is we drive the sheep, and we have sheep dogs and horses, and the shepherds push and, and, and push the sheep forward. Well, in Jesus' time, the Eastern shepherd, he learned to know each of his sheep in his flock, and he loved them. And Jesus said, the sheep know the good shepherd's voice, and the good shepherd knows them, and, and he, they respond to his call. Well, if we're going to be mature in the faith, we need to be individuals that are invested in the people that we shepherd, the people that we give ourselves to, so that they can hear our voice and we can speak into their lives the truths of God's Word. Jesus said the good shepherd came to seek and save the lost. I think it's a, it's a, it's a characteristic of a mature believer, someone who's seeking to seek out and save the lost and, and being able to share the good news of Jesus and meet people where they are and bring those who are lost into the fold and welcome them and celebrate just as, as the parable goes. God loves shepherds. 
and the sheep motif, the sheep concept, the, the herd concept, the, the fact that we have to, we sacrifice lambs for the Day of Atonement, all those things bring some powerful confirmation that the shepherd idea, the shepherd image, the image of sheep is appropriate as the national animal for the people of God. And so are we surprised then when we read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, are we surprised that the very first people to hear the official announcement by the angels of the birth and of the coming of the Messiah are shepherds, shepherds of Bethlehem. That blows me away. I mean, if you get into the depths of the shepherds of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is this little village that was King David's village who was the shepherd. Bethlehem was a, a, a sheep village in a sheep area. These were shepherds of Bethlehem who, in many ways, could say we were doing what the great King David was doing. And so they're the first to receive the notice. Hey, by the way, a Messiah has been born in your town. This town of shepherds, you who are shepherds of Bethlehem. Here's another nuance to add to this story. Bethlehem was not far from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple was, and the temple was is where they did the sacrifices to pay for the sins of the world. More than likely, these shepherds of Bethlehem were taking care of flocks, sheep, and lambs who would go to be offered as sacrifice for the sins of the people. And now God was honoring them with the news, hey, one has been born who will be the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, in the same region, in the region of Bethlehem, remember, Bethlehem is a small little village. It's not like a sprawling metropolis with a lot of Motel 6s and all that. No, it's a small little village. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. I just love when this kind of stuff happens to me. On Monday, uh, on Sunday, I, I start, like today, this afternoon, I'll start preparing for next week's sermon. I'll look at the text, and I'll start just really reading and start thinking about it, praying about it. And then Monday, it's on my mind to ready to get to work on it. And so Monday, this past Monday, I'd, I'd done, looked at this text on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and I woke up in the morning and I was doing my, my thoughts and my devotions, and then I was just kind of checking my Facebook, and there was a post by a man named Mark Zeese. Mark Zeese is a doctor, one of our professors of Old Testament and Bible college. And Mark is an archaeologist. He does these Bible land tours. He's done a lot of digs in Israel and Jordan. And so he had this post, and the subject line of the post on, on his blog had to do with towers, migdals, they're called. Migdals, particularly, he was noting migdals that were apparently found a lot in the region of Bethlehem. There were tons of these towers, and these towers were built up, and they were called towers of the flock. And the reason was is that they were used by shepherds, and there's a picture of one, an, an old, old picture of one. Amygdal was used by shepherds to stay up top. You see the top there where it has the kind of the tree on the top? Well, that's just a, a covering. Those guys would stay up top on the roof, and they would use that vantage point to do what? To keep watch over the sheep at night. 
as they were in their, their, their pens, as they were in their enclosures. And so when you read that text in Luke chapter 8, a lot of times we go to our, our, our Christmas card pictures, right? We think of the shepherds all sitting around the fire, you know, eating baked beans or whatever they're eating or whatever they're doing, right? They're all sitting around the fire. No, I think we need to change that because it's very likely that they were keeping watch. That word watch implies that they were up on a tower sitting on the top there watching over their flock who were in a pen by night. Just thought I'd share that with you. All right. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. This is how you can identify him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths this night, lying in a manger. Now, a manger in this situation was more than likely a feeding trough for animals, stone feeding trough in an enclosure that was underneath the house where they kept animals. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, other angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Would you do me a favor? Just if you wouldn't mind outlining or noting in your mind that last statement, because ultimately the, the, the culmination of the good news message of the angels is captured here. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. What does that mean? You know, we use that word quite a bit in church. Hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. Right? But what do we mean by that? What does glory mean? And, and biblically, what, is that, what do we think about glory? Typically, I've got to tell you, when I think of glory, I think of shiny and bright and woo. That's the presence of God, right? What glory really means in, in this context, in the way in the Bible, glory means that which identifies. And so when we say the glory of God, we're saying signs that show the presence of God, whether it be light and thunder and flashing and, and a miracle and, and the power of God in our lives. That is that which identifies the presence of God. In another text in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul says, women's long hair, when he's given some instruction on church life, he says, a, a woman's long hair is her glory. What does that mean? That which identifies her as a woman. That's what he's talking about in that context. And so when... The angel says, glory to God in the highest. What they're saying is that the birth of this child, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the one who is a descendant of David, the one whom they are describing is the work of God. You can identify God at work in the world through the birth of Jesus and subsequently not only his birth but also his life. And we know as we follow the story, his death on the cross and his burial and his resurrection to new life, and the provision of a way in which those who are lost can be found. All of this is a work of God. The birth of Jesus, the reason why we can say we can delight at Christmas time is because we are beneficiaries of the work of God. This is God's initiative. This is God working into our world something that we could not do on our own. It's miraculous, it's powerful, and it's, oh my goodness, wow. God is at work here. 
glory to God in the highest and peace. Peace is the consequence. Peace is the result. Peace is the product of the work of God. Peace to who? All men. Now, this is a generic all men, meaning humanity. Peace to all people, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from. No matter the color of your skin, no matter the, the, the amount of money you have in your bank account, no matter you're rather good looking or maybe not so good looking, whether you're smart or not so smart, whether you're well educated or not so well educated, whether you live in, in China, whether you live in Saudi Arabia, whether you live in, in Claremont County, all men can be recipients of the work of Jesus. They can receive peace. The idea of peace here is not just the, the lack of war. No, peace means harmony. Peace means being right with each other. Peace means healthy and growing and good and well. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men to whom his what? His favor rests. That concept of favor is what we would say grace. The announcement, the good news that the angel brings to the shepherds is that God is at work in the birth of Jesus. And he is at work bringing people to peace with him and with each other because of grace. That's good news. That's where we can say, yeah, and get excited. I find it interesting how the angel and the, the shepherds respond to the angel message. And I think because it lays for us a, a pathway that helps us understand what God's calling is for each of our lives today. Notice what it says. It says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph. How could they do it in a hurry? Because it was a small town. Not too many places with babies around, right? So they went and they found them quickly. They went to Bethlehem. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying, ah, that which identifies, glorifying and praising God. They went back and live their life identifying God in their life and giving Him credit for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. Now in your bulletins, those of you that are uh, addicted to fill in the blanks and you've been itching till now for to fill in some, I know some of you are like, <laughs> okay, and some of you have been guessing, I'm guessing too, right? Well, here we go. A road map a roadmap provided by the shepherds for us to be right with God. Baptistry on cue. (laughs) 
The word angel means messenger. When the angel comes, uh, we think of angels in a variety of ways, spiritual being, uh, powerful spiritual being. Every time they show up in the Bible, everyone is scared to death, and they have to say, don't be afraid. They, they want to fall on their hands and knees and worship them. They say, don't worship me because they're just quite impressive. But the basic function of an angel is to be a messenger of God. That's what their name means. That's what they are, messenger of God. So the angel brings a good news message to the shepherds, the announcement of the birth of Jesus. What do they do with that? Well, they believe it. They believe it. They are able to be recipients of God's grace simply by what? By faith. By believing. They say, hey, let's check this out. Let's go and see that which they have told us. And they have full expectation to find the child. Jesus means that we can be made right with God through faith by believing the good news. That his work and his, his, his work on the cross and empty tomb, as we talk through this Follow Me series, has provided us a way. How? By believing. By accepting as true with our minds and our hearts that what we are being told is true. That God has provided a way that we can be right with him as long as we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we accept him as our Lord and our Savior. Lord means he's the boss. Savior means he's the way in which we're made right with God. And we trust that his sacrifice is going to pay that which is due for us to pay because we're sinners. Believe. The shepherds went to see the child they believed, and they found him just as the angel said, lying in a manger, lying in this feeding trough, wrapped up in torn rags. They believed, and they were thrilled by that. We believe, and then what happens? Well, we move towards knowing God through Jesus. We get to know Jesus. The pattern of salvation is laid out. Those who uh, want to be made right with God have to accept that it's an act of grace. It's an act of power of God. We accept by faith. The Bible says by grace through faith, and then we're baptized. The meaning of baptized is we're buried in Christ, and we're brought back up to new life. In that whole dynamic, we come to a place then that we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit means God with us now and, and in our lives we can know Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. The God's Holy Spirit places us within a family. Do you remember we talked about the process? We're born as babies in the faith. As babies, we grow up because of the influence of the Spirit and because of spiritual parents within the church family and spiritual brothers and sisters that encourage us and help us grow. And as we grow up, we become a child. And as we grow up even further, we become young adults who, who learn to love. And as we grow up in that, we become spiritual parents. That is, we become individuals that begin to pour ourselves into others, giving what God has given us so that they too might grow up in the faith. Whether they're new to the faith, whether they're babies, whether they're young, young children, or whether they're young young adults, we become spiritual parents because that's what God's plan is for your life. We get to know Jesus in all that, his spirit with us as we live to, to follow him. Do you know heaven begins the moment you become a believer? We seem to think of heaven as something down the road, and in one sense, yes, it is, but the reality is that God's eternity begins in the life when we start walking with his spirit. In other words, heaven begins the day you say yes, Jesus, and become a follower of Christ by faith. And that's the reason for delight. And we see that modeled by these shepherds, right? It said they were thrilled. 
They were overwhelmed by the gift of Jesus. And Christmas time is an opportunity for you, if you've been a believer for a long time, if you are kind of in the humdrum of, of life and everything else, as you go through the season, Christmas opportunity for you just to pause and to remember that day when you became a Jesus follower and remember the joy and the wonder. And remember it as if it was like the first time you opened up the best present you've ever had in your life and you went, yeah! Get to know Jesus. Seeing his transformation, they, 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 they met Jesus, and then what? Their life was transformed, and they went what? They went back to work. <laughs> Seems like a downer, doesn't it? They went back to being shepherds. But was it a downer? No, the Bible says they went back to be shepherds as transformed men, bringing out a message of transformation in the place that God had put them. I think we have a problem sometimes is that we have this expectation that when we come to the Lord that we have these grandiose dreams that all of a sudden that we become the center of attention, that we become entitled to receive this, that, and the other, whether it be success or whatever we put our hands to, that no more problems, no more troubles, money comes easy, 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 uh, life becomes yippy, skippy, skippy all the time, and we think that's how it should be, but the reality is it isn't. The reality is, is that what God wants from us is to go back to where he found us in the place that he put us, whether it be a shepherd or whether it be a doctor or whether it be a trash collector, whether it be a stay-at-home mom, whether it be a middle management person, whether it be a salesman, whether it be a teacher, whether it be a student, wherever God has you when he found you and you discovered him, go back to that place and live it out to the glory of God. Live in such a way that when people look at your life in that moment, they can see, I can identify the work of God here because glory means that which identifies, right? See, the shepherds went back to work. I think Christmas not only is an opportunity for us to say, wow, God, but it's also for us to take appreciation of the place that he puts us and not get all wrapped up about what I wish I could be and where I wish I should be and what I don't have and instead to appreciate what I am given and I have the gift of, of God in this place to use this place where I'm at to be obedient to him until he moves me on to whatever else he has in store for us. Learn from the good shepherd. See, I think ultimately what we're given here is that God wants us all to be good shepherds in one way or the other. Good shepherds, people who follow the chief shepherd, who recognize that what I have in life is a stewardship. If I'm given much, if I'm given little, if I'm given in between, it is a gift of God to be used to glorify God, to honor God. What I've been given is to be used to honor God as a shepherd. You're called to shepherd someone as a good shepherd too. Provide for them the word of God so they can have life. To protect them from things that would destroy their life. To speak up. To be willing to lay down your life. That's love. That's what love's all about. 
Never forget a conversation I had. I'm, I'm taking aside. I think I've mentioned this before. I was on a bus one time driving to Nebraska over Christmas time to see a family that had brought me over here. I was on a bus. I sat next to this girl who was at university. We started talking the Bible. She started slamming the Bible, particularly because she was a strong feminist. And she said, the Apostle Paul was a misogynist. He hated women. I'm like, really? So I opened up the Bible. And I said, well, you know, the Bible says that this is the Apostle Paul. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know what that means? It means that your husband is going to be someone who's willing to lay down his life in order to bless you. And in the day-to-day, that means he's willing to sacrifice his needs, he sacrifice his wants, sacrifice his desires in order to serve you. Does it sound like he hates women? She moved to another seat. Um, <laughs> You say, that's just being a good shepherd. Husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers and grandparents. God's called you to be a good shepherd because there are under, uh, individuals, little lambs, that are looking up to you in the situation that you're in. Grow up to be a good shepherd, to serve, to provide, to guide, to lay down your life, to seek and save the lost and the mission of the church. See, I think God is calling us to go to the place that we are after we have salvation, to delight in that spot, and to learn to be a good shepherd like our good shepherd, whom we all follow. I love the story of Christmas, and I love getting into the nitty-gritty and finding details that kind of blow up our Christmas card images, right? But mostly I love Christmas because in Christmas we can really boil down the essence of our faith into recognizing it's grace. Grace gives us a message of Jesus. If we believe and we come to know the, the Christ child who gives life, we can be lights shining in the place that we are now. No matter where we are, even, even if we're uh, whatever stage we are on the socioeconomic level, we can celebrate and delight in the calling that God's placed on us and be like the shepherds. Glorifying and praising God for all that He has done. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all men to whom His favor rests. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for the message of Christmas and particularly the model that we have found in the story of the shepherds. I pray that uh, just this conversation will bring some depth and encouragement to everyone, and particularly those who may be discouraged at where they are in life. You know, we, we, can, we can get subject to uh, playing the comparison game, the impatience game, the I wish it was not like this game, and really become sour and really not become appreciative of where you've placed us. Help us to, to recognize that the shepherds, after they received the message of uh, salvation, didn't all of a sudden have a crazy life trajectory change. No, they went back to being shepherds, and they continued to glorify God uh, from that place. So I praise and thank you for everyone that's here and the places that you put them because I believe that they're here and they're in that place because you have placed them there and in that place they have an opportunity to bring glory to you, to fulfill their assignments given to you, them by you. Help us to, to, to appreciate that and to delight that because of the gift of Jesus. In his name we pray.
Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.